You're listening to She Thrives Radio. This is episode number 77, and I have one of my friends on today, y'all. A friend who I think you already know and probably love, which is why I'm super excited to bring her on. Um, We have on the show today, Steph Godreau. So Steph is, like I said, a friend. And for those of you who do not know who she is, all four of you out there, Steph is a nutritional therapy consultant. She's an author. She's a blogger. She's a coach. She's a podcaster. And you might know her from her like uh, previous iteration of her business, which was Stupid Easy Paleo. And I kind of blew past it in there that she's an author. But guys, actually today, so July 30th, right now, if you're listening, when this episode drops, is the first day that her new book is officially available. Her book is called The Core Four. And it is about, I mean, she's going to take you through it. So like you're going to learn all about it, but um, it's about the core four pillars of health and it's pretty amazing. And I, uh, I think you're just going to love it, right? If you like this show, if you like stuff, you're going to like this book. It's available today. So there is a link in the show notes for you. Just go grab that from the Zon and have them deliver it to your house super soon. So you can read through it and become an, an amazing badass human like stuff. Okay, so we talk about a lot of great stuff today, and I just we bounce around a little bit, but um, you know, you're just gonna love every every part of it. I just I just know it. I just know it. So let's just um, have me stop blathering on, shall we? And let's go ahead and get right on in to this interview with Steph Godreau. She Thrives Radio is the podcast component to the She Thrives blog, a space dedicated for women who are on a mission to feel good, crush their goals, and live big. I'm your host, Taylor Gage, health and mindset coach, CrossFit and USA weightlifting coach, blogger, and portrait photographer. She Thrives is your BS-free resource for all things wellness, mindset, confidence, body image, personal development, and general badassery. My goal here is to help you get out of your own way so that you can thrive. Friends, I'm so excited to bring to you today my friend, Steph Gaudreau. And Steph, I feel like, I feel like there's a lot of people listening who are like, oh yeah, I know Steph. But for like (laughs) the three people out there who maybe not be familiar uh, with you or your work or any of the above, um, who are you? <laughs> How long is this show? Um, <laughs> I'll try to give you the succinct version. Um, I love to talk about why I do what I do. And why I do what I do is because I believe that women are so powerful and amazing. And when we can embrace that and step into that, there is nothing we can't achieve. Mm-hmm. So the what I do has changed a lot over the years. and. Now I am a nutritional therapy consultant. I am a strength coach. I'm an author, a podcaster, and I, I really walk alongside women as they're taking this journey to figuring out how they can embrace their own inner power. What does that mean? What are a lot of the issues that we're coming up against? And my previous blog was all about paleo recipes. I've outgrown that, re- rebranded last year and prior to that my like first career was 
as a high school chemistry and biology teacher. So uh, I've always been a bit of a nerd. And now I get to work with women online. And a lot of the conversations that we're having are just super messy and not easy. And yet I feel really drawn to this rather than just the, you know, like, oh, here, like eat 1600 calories a day, Mm -hmm. that kind of advice. And, And I'm not saying that people are wrong for doing that stuff, but it just doesn't bring me any joy anymore to talk about those really narrow, um, concrete topics. So, and you know, you just like threw it in there like super casually and just blew past it, but you said (laughs) author yeah, and, uh, you have a book coming out. Um, actually I think that the day that this episode is airing is the day it's released. So that's Mm -hmm. July 30th. So I really want to talk a little bit about this book and kind of how it came about and what it's all about and um, why it's something that you feel so passionate about. I'm also going to see how many times I can say the word about, um, <laughs> I guess, but um, the book is um, the core four. And I would just love for you to take me a little bit through, like give me the broad overview and then we'll kind of like dig into a little bit about, um, about where it came from and all the details. Yeah. This book? And if people go online to order it or whatever today, or they have it already and they're looking at the cover you took the cover photo, so <laughs> it can be look good since life forever. Um, <laughs> so I'm really grateful to your skill there because I think you uh, you did such an amazing job on the photo. Such an honor, so cool. Yeah. So, um, gosh, the the origin of this book goes back to 2015 when I was running Stupid Easy Paleo. Again, I was working with a lot of people talking about food and how to implement food strategies in their life and making recipes. And fitness has always been a part of my life. Mindset was something that I had to really work on on my own. I mean, all of these things. And it just became clearer and clearer to me as a coach that it's not just about, I mean, anybody who's been in this world for long enough knows it's not just about food. It's not just about recipes. And so I put together a program that would incorporate aspects of nutrition and movement and mindset. And that became, that was originally called the healthy, happy, harder to kill challenge. And over the years it's morphed and evolved a little bit. And now it's called the core four program. And I think, you know, when you take a look at the pillars, so the pillars in the book are eat nourishing foods, move with intention, recharge your energy and empower your mind. What I'm really trying to help women especially do is find more sustainable, less shamey tactics for incorporating these things into their life in a way that feels good, that they can maintain and sustain for a long period of time. Like, I don't care what you can white knuckle for a week or two weeks. Yeah, what can you do for years? Like, how can you find ease with this stuff? How can you release the shame? and the self, the negative self-talk and the like, I'll just be happy when, and all of the things that we, we do because it's just what we've learned is the way you do things. So in a way the book is very, it is very concrete. There are these, these four pillars and there is like a 30 day experience at the end that you can take, do one thing a day and just experience what it feels like. However, the why of the book is way bigger than that. And, <laughs> you know, I don't know if you've, you've, you have courses and programs and stuff. And so I'm sure you've had this experience where you, you spend a lot of time 
making this thing and then you get to the end and you're like, but there's so many things that I would love to change or I would love to expand upon or I want to talk more about in this area and it's not really completely in the scope of what this project is. And so I think when I sat down to write the intro, which is usually what you do at the end because you have the whole body of work in front of you, the introduction really became the why, which is, again, can we learn to embrace who we are, our, including our bodies? Can we learn to appreciate our bodies for what they can do? But also, P.S., like understand that we have worth and value no matter what we can do, right? Um, or what we look like. And can we start to step into this innate inner power that we've always had, but we've stopped listening to at some point or we deny at some point or somebody's told us is not a thing. And so we begin to play small and we begin to shrink away from challenges and we're not really living into our full potential or the things we really want for ourselves in our lives. And that why is, is something I really want to explore a lot more as, you know, as I continue on with my work, I'm already like, how could I make this into its own thing in terms of like continuing to support women in this way and, and talking about the things of, you know, how do we use dieting and how do we use um, movement even in a restrictive way? How do we use it to, um, dis like, frankly, how are we distracting ourselves from all of these other things that are important in life because we're just too preoccupied by trying to get the perfect body. And yeah, so that's, that's kind of the <laughs> introduction is, is kind of that big vision of what kind of world, what kind of legacy do we want to leave for, you know, little girls that are growing up into women or our daughters, if we have, you know, daughters of our own, or, you know, it's not, it's not just about us here right now. And yes, that's important. But what legacy are we leaving? Are we leaving a legacy of diet culture behind? Even though we realize like we kind of know it's icky and it's not right, what are we building in its place? And I mean, I don't have the answers to those things other than what's kind of in my wheelhouse right now, which is um, helping women with nutrition and fitness and, and how they look at their own ways of looking at the world. Yeah, I think there's so much in there that I'd love to, you know, <clears throat> touch on. And I think when, you know, you mentioned these four pillars that you've, um, like, you've identified, eat nourishing foods, move with intention, recharge your energy, empower your mind. What do you feel like, like, is there one of those that you feel like is harder for most of your clients or audience or just women in general to kind of like, navigate or figure out like, and, and why, and, and why, like, what is it about one of those or several of those things that's so challenging sometimes? Yeah. And you know what? I think it's the, I think they're all equally challenging. It just depends on the person. It depends on their life. It depends on their prior experiences. But what I see as a universal theme is a lot of confusion in these areas and, or using, um, you know, turning an eye toward nutrition, but doing it in a way that really doesn't serve that person that does not speak to their bio individuality. And that is really coming from a place of restriction, punishment, mm -hmm. um, and all this stuff. And I mean, the, the statistics on eating disorders and disordered eating are frankly, really frightening. Um, it's something like one in four people who go on a diet will develop an eating disorder, not just disordered eating, which is kind of like a subclinical term, but 
a full, you know, a fully uh, diagnosable eating disorder, which is so scary and uh, not cool. So I think, you know, it's not necessarily, I know a lot of people in, in my community are like, okay, I know this stuff is important, but how they're using these tools or how they're approaching these things. And so a lot of that does come down to mindset. It does come down to intention. A lot of the ways people are using these tools is in a way that is not bringing them any more joy. It's actually making their life a lot more (laughs) uncomfortable or harder. And I'm, you know, I don't want people to misunderstand me and think like, oh, well, you're just saying that we can't like ever, we should never buck up and do hard things. And that's not at all what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Um, But from what I've seen, it's a lot of like, we're going to use these things in a way to, um, in, in a way that doesn't fit into our lives. Like we're trying to fit our lives into it and, and it's not, it's really not working. And then when it doesn't work, there's a lot of blame and guilt about why, you know, ourselves, like I failed at this thing. This thing didn't work for me. You know, it like, it's my shortcoming. It's not a shortcoming in that particular approach. So I, there's, again, these things are not easy to talk about in a quick little Instagram meme kind of like, you know, soundbite. It's, it's, these are complicated issues. And, and so again, it's not necessarily like, I see a lot of, um, okay, so here's what I mean. A lot of all or nothing thinking, mm-hmm. a lot of, um, restriction, in such a way where it causes further issues, it doesn't actually make the, the issue that you're trying to solve any better. Um, and in those two things, I, I see quite a bit, no matter what area we're talking about. So a lot of it is the mindset, the perspective, the um, considering what's working for you and what's not, and customization. And that's just not easy to do. I mean, again, we all want that quick like, give me the list of foods I shouldn't eat. Give me the list, you know, how many, tell me exactly how many times a a week I should be working out and exactly the things I should be doing. And I get that because when you're trying to start out making changes, you're like, just tell me there's so many things out there. How do I make this work? And I think a lot of us, myself and probably yourself included, have had those things where on this continuum that we're on, we've had those moments of, of, of yeah, I mean, when I started eating paleo, I was like, eat, eat that. And over the years, it has changed quite a bit to be much more of a, um, like, you know, I know what works for my body. I eat a little bit more intuitively. I move a little bit more intuitively or like, oh, hey, I, need, I know I need to back off in this area. But it's really difficult to take people on that journey when the world is telling us mm-hmm. it's so easy. You just don't eat these 10 foods and you're going to have this miraculous result. And I feel like that's when, like you mentioned, that all of a sudden becomes now your personal failing, right? If it's so easy and all you do is eat these 10 miraculous foods and we're not, you know, at this finish line that we envisioned in our head, then all of a sudden it's like our, like that was, that's something in us that's broken, right? Mm -hmm. Like it becomes, we take it on. And that's, I think what kind of tends to like cycle that, that those feelings of shame and just like, like, like failing, like I'm failing at this. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, you talked a little bit on a, a recent Instagram post that I really loved, um, about how this concept of, um, 
self-hate is not motivation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I would love to hear you just like explain that post and just expand on it. Cause I think, um, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, I think it's super important. So I'd love to just hear you speak on that for a minute. Yeah. It's this idea that shit talking ourselves, um, is it in the guy under the guise of motivation mm-hmm. is a, healthy approach to lifestyle change or frankly anything. And again, I think it's complicated by, you know, what have we learned is the way, you know, how have we learned to deal with these things? Like how have we been explicitly taught or what have we subconsciously absorbed? You know, what have we seen in our family? Like how was I, how were we talked to by teachers or coaches or people in the position of authority as how you make change of how you, encourage yourself like it it sounds counterintuitive right you're like if i need to encourage myself to move forward or i need to in, institute systems and structure in my life which will then help me with discipline um and i say discipline and i don't mean like we're going to i think people have a really negative connotation of the word discipline like it's an, again it's an all or nothing what i mean by discipline is building in the systems and structures into your life mm-hmm. such that you take a lot of the active decision making processes or the like the str- the struggle out of stuff where you're just like this is kind of just what i do i have this built in i've created a habit for myself or i've created some kind of system and structure that takes out away the daily like do I need to do this? Do I not need to do this? Like what's going to work for me? What's not going to work for me? But what I see happening a lot is, and, and I did this too, was the sort of negative voice in your head or saying it out loud or how, how you choose to think. And anybody who's familiar with cognitive behavioral therapy knows this sort of paradigm of our thoughts drive our feelings and our feelings drive our behaviors. And so what I, what I try to ask people is like, okay, how do you motivate yourself or what are the things that you say? And if it's a lot of like, you know, you're always going to be fat if you don't do this thing or you're such a loser, why can't you just get your, get your stuff together? Or, you know, people are going to like you better if, you know, those kind of thought patterns then drive how we feel and how we feel drives our behavior. So it's really interesting to see. And I, I kind of ask sometimes people, you know, how's that working out for you? You know, have you made, yeah. How has it actually played out in your life? Do you, do you start for a week and you're like swimming along and then something, you know, pops up and you, you know, you're stressed or what life just throws you for a loop or all these things. What happens then? Do you just completely you resign yourself and quit. And I, again, there's so much nuance here because sometimes stepping away from things is completely appropriate, but do you constantly let that, is that your default mode of operation where you're like, okay, now I just need to talk bad to myself and that's going to get me back on track. And I think there's a big difference there between finally kind of getting fed up with the way things are, the way you feel and saying like, no, something really has to change now. That's yeah. not what I mean. I'm sort of talking about the, the meanie in you who's like, you're never going to be good enough. No one's ever going to love you. You're never going to, you know, you're, you're lazy, you're stupid. You, you're all these things that, that we've learned how to say. And, and again, like, is it, does it work? Does it actually help you to find more joy in your situation in your life right now? Have you found a, um, 
a sense of ease? Have you have have you learned to in to find gratitude in what you have now? If we're always looking for what's better, um, how does that negative self talk actually play out for you? Does it really help you to? create lasting change or are you falling constantly falling back to the way things were and yeah it's so tough because again it's kind of you know almost like the no pain no gain mentality Mm -hmm. right just try harder just do these things and it also erases the you know the one that sticks out to me is like we all have 24 hours in a day Mm -hmm. how we choose you know like you know you can if someone else can do it you can too and I'm like whoa okay like that that assumes we're on an equal playing field. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff that that could be there. I mean, somebody could be working three jobs and quite literally that they're doing. And it's not because they're trying to afford the newest iPhone. I mean, a lot of times it's like we're people are in these situations because it is a matter of survival. And that's a whole other bucket to dip into, but I just feel like, um, you know, that constant comparison, that constant negativity is not, is not actually productive in the long run. It is not motivating. So can we choose different ways to speak to ourselves? Can we, and it seems weird. You're like, but if I'm nice to myself, am I going to care anymore? Yeah. Right. You know, if I'm, if I'm kind to myself, then that means I'm going to completely give up. Hmm. And it's that fear that's there that prevents us from even exploring that even further. So I get it and I know why it's there, but I, again, I'm like, how's that work? How's that working for you? Is it helping you do the things that you're trying to do? And it's like, no, <laughs> I keep going back to where I was before. Yeah, and it feels like shit, right? Like there's nothing about that process no. that's like rewarding or feels good or fun. And, you know, you mentioned in there that there's like a difference between, um, you know, just talking shit to yourself and saying terrible things and driving from a place of like self-hate versus kind of getting to a place where you're like, dude, something has to change. Like I just like, there's, there's a, there's a difference between those two things. And I think, um, the latter or maybe both is something that you have experience in. Um, and it's kind of like what you know, got you on this whole path in the first place. And I was wondering if you could kind of just like, um, get in the way, way back machine here and talk (laughs) a little bit about that. Some of those moments for you where you were just like, I cannot like do this anymore. Something has to change. And like how you got there and kind of what it looked like. Yeah. such a good question. I think, um, given, you know, if people are familiar with my story, seeing, knowing how I was back then and kind of knowing what I do now, you might assume that it was just like this huge overnight light bulb switch revelation. Uh, there wasn't a lot of that. It was very gradual. And I think it's easy to compare journeys and go like, why haven't I had the massive, you know, epiphany that's going to be the thing that causes me to overnight, you know, want to fix my shit, change my life, you know, really just get on, get back on track or like whatever term you like to use. And I think, um, you know, coming from, there are a lot of factors that kind of, I think, play into how I was, how I grew up, um, how I saw myself in the world, um, including and in, in up into, you know, my father leaving when I was very young. My father figure became my grandfather. He died when I was very young. 
I was always afraid of losing people, right? So I developed a lot of perfectionistic tendencies because I didn't want people to leave me. And I wanted to just, if I could be perfect, then, right? It, like, And then my stepdad making comments about my body, developing very early. I was like the first girl to get my period and go through puberty and have braces and all this stuff. So I became very self-conscious, very young. And all of those things kind of together created this, this situation for me where I just felt like I was never, you know, I wasn't thin enough. I needed to get smaller. If I could get smaller, then people would like me. I wasn't super popular in high school. I mean, I, I kind of had my, I have like my two best friends that I'm still friends with today. Like we were tight, but I wasn't part of the popular crowd. Like, you know, it, it, a lot of things that are extremely familiar to many people listening to this show. Um, and it really then became this constant awareness of my body, always thinking about my body, weighing myself daily or multiple times a day, uh, pinching all of the, the skin and the fat on my body, uh, restricting my food, dieting, weight watchers. I mean, all this stuff. And, and so that's kind of was my world and it occupied a lot a lot of my mental space, a lot of mental space for me. And I'd say probably the, the lowest point, again, looking back, it, it's all very clear, but the lowest point for me was I was doing um, endurance distance mountain biking. I became a triathlete. And so I was running and swimming and biking like crazy. And my nutrition wasn't very good. So I was not eating enough food, frankly, I, like was really under on, um, on calories. And my body started to, my muscles started to, um, you know, go through a process of, of, you know, what, what your body does, which is using your own muscle for fuel. And so I had a lot of like muscle wasting. I got a lot smaller and it was still never enough, by the way. I got on the scale. I had a, a weight in mind that I wanted to achieve. And I don't like to say what it is because I don't want to, you know, trigger or compare, but I had this weight in mind. I was like, if I can get here, things are going to be great stepped on the scale during that triathlon season, saw the number. Finally, I had achieved this magical number and wasn't my life going to be so much better and nothing changed, surprisingly, right? It's all like inner work. And I was doing a triathlon, the last one that I did of the season up in Lake Tahoe and my ex-husband at the time took this photo of me at a waterfall and I looked at that picture and I just thought, you are disgusting. You, you know, like you're so big, look at you, like nothing works, you're a failure. And looking at that picture now, right, you're like, when I see it, I'm like, girl, like you needed to eat something. Like you weren't, you were dealing with a lot of stuff, not in a good head space, um, not accurately able to see what you looked like even. Mm -hmm. And, and so a lot of times I talk about this and people are like, you had body dysmorphia disorder or body dysmorphic disorder. And I'm like, I was never diagnosed and I just want to be clear about that because that's a very extreme situation. Um, I believe that I had very dysmorphic view of my body in a lot of different ways. And so I just want to be clear about that because I think sometimes people say you had BDD or body dysmorphia and I'm like, like, let's just be accurate about stuff. But nevertheless, I had a very negative view of myself, what I looked like. I couldn't see myself clearly. And looking back, I'm like, no you're actually in a, a pretty small body, like 
what's the problem there. So I think um, that was a moment for me looking back where I just thought, is this going to be the rest of my life is like obsessing about how I look, never being good enough. And ironically, the thing that started things changing for me was changing the way that I ate. And for the first time, and again, this is a kind of a baby step process, but it was like, let's eat things like fat yeah, and have that be okay. Let's not weigh and measure the food and have that be okay. Um, Again, I was still living in a very like, eat this, don't eat that. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was, I think, part of the transition. Uh, But feeling better in my body gave me the ability to start focusing on other things. I was like, wow, I actually have energy now. And, And then I changed the way that I was moving, right? I moved from more of a an endurance style training to lifting weights. And that gave me the, that opened the door for me to, for once, feel like I could care about something other than the way my body looked and the weight of my body. Um, When you're an endurance athlete, your weight is very prized because the lighter you can be, the faster you can pedal up a hill. If right, power to weight ratio. And so for me, I was always comparing to other cyclists that I knew. If you think about the Tour de France and you look at those men that ride that race, they are like the extreme example of that, right? They're very, very tiny. They're like jockeys, yeah, but on a, a, a bicycle instead of a horse. Very, very small. So it's prized in that community to be very, very small. Getting into a community for me where it was not, that wasn't the ultimate goal. I could explore my body's ability to do different things. I could try new skills. I could, for the first time, learn how to lift weights. And I wasn't always just like, what do I look like? How much do I weigh? Again, that was a part of the process for me. And I, I, I eventually, like when I got my first like major injury and I had to, from a pre-existing back issue from biking actually, but I, I had my first like injury and I had to step away from doing my normal like weightlifting stuff. And I was like, oh gosh, who am I? And I went through that crisis. That was a huge wake up call of like, okay, it's not just about what your body can do. And that's a very important step. And that was extremely important then and now to me, like, because that gave me something else to put my attention and energy to, but it's like eventually had to learn you're worthy no matter what you can lift or, you know, right. And a lot of us have had that experience. We've, we've had our own ups and downs in life and had to step away or whatever that is. So it, it, it was a very slow, very slow process. And, and it's been 10 years and I still now, you know, I'm uncovering pieces of me that I'm like, oh, that's real interesting. Where did that come from? Or, and so I, I don't want people to think you just get to a point where you have arrived yeah. uh-uh. and you're like, I'm here. Great. Like, like you know, I'm never going to be faced with any, anything challenging in my life. And that's not at all how it happens. Yeah. I think, um, you know, you, you mentioned in there something that I, I think is super important that, you know, I think, um, my listeners on the show are, are familiar with because it's something that I touch on a fair amount because I think it's really common where when women find um, like a strength sport, right, or just weightlifting in general, you know, just kind of like playing around the weight section, whatever that might look like, um, 
that shift you described were like, oh, this is cool. Like now it's more about what I can do versus what, you know, the scale says or whatever. How that, while it's like, it is a, a step and it is a shift and it does feel good, can also be a trap of its own mm-hmm. if or maybe when all of a sudden we find ourselves not able to continue and uh, continuously improve or, you know, that like ideal of that linear progression. Cause when you start a strength sport, like you're just like, you get better, like all the time. <laughs> and it's so fun. Yeah. And so, um, I'd love to hear you just talk a little bit about that pitfall. Cause I think that's something, like I said, my audience really knows well. And it's something that I think just a lot of people struggle with because it's so easy to fall into that. Like, this is so fun. And then all of a sudden, what have we done? Right. Mm-hmm. We've completely, you know, yeah. sunk our uh, identity into just a new, new flavor of the same thing. So tell me a little bit about that and what that looks like. Yeah. I, um, I think it's really interesting to see that progression in people. And again, my personal opinion, my professional opinion as somebody who's a nutrition professional and a strength professional is that focusing on how we look is far more detrimental than focusing on what we on what we can do. So I think again, if we're trying to unhook from all of these previous ways of doing things and finding something that we can we can focus on that allows us to take the the focus off of our appearance and our aesthetic is very important. But as you said, you can sometimes get into this position where, um, and you've been pretty open about, you know, hey, you've had to step away from CrossFit. Like when I started my business, I was competing in CrossFit. It became one of those things where I looked at my husband and I said, if I, we weren't married at the time, but um, I said to him, if I keep training like this, something's going to break in me. I, my body is going to break. My, uh, my, Organs, something is going to break. Like I'm just going to not be in a good spot because I realized the intensity was not what I needed along with the stress of starting a brand new business. And so I think that, you know, how much of our identity is wrapped up in, in those things. And it's easy, like you said, to get in the mode where you're like, I need to be improving all the time. And if I stop improving, what is, you know, what's wrong with me? And (laughs) like you said, you've been, if you've been in the, if you've been lifting weights for a long time, you know that eventually things are going to either kind of plateau or get linear or get, uh, you might have a backtrack or it just gets undulating. Like you're not always improving forever and ever and ever. And I think the question that I would ask people is, are, would you still do what you do, even if you weren't guaranteed some like big, sexy, amazing payoff? Would you still lift weights if you would never hit a PR ever again? I don't know. If you, if you say no to that, there's something to, to think about. There's something to reflect on. And for myself right now, I just said this on the podcast the other day. I was like, I haven't lifted a barbell in probably two months. I've been doing kettlebell stuff on my porch because it just didn't, I was like, you know what? Like, I, I still want to do this. I still want to move. I go to jujitsu, which is, you know, is there. But in terms of lifting really heavy right now, it just does not, it does not feel right to me. Um, it, you know, it's too much stress on my body. I've got a lot going on with the book coming out. And, and I said this and the person was like, whoa, the he-, like, but I'm okay with the fact that 
I'm not, and I, I don't even know if I will ever lift again as heavy as I was when I was sort of like, that was my thing. And I was really enjoying lifting it. And my body felt good when I was doing it. Um, you know, will I ever squat 290 again? Probably not. And I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. Right. Because I'm, I am invested and you said this earlier, you are focusing on the process. Like I, I find value in the process. And because of that, I have been able to like detach from specific outcomes regarding that. So I'm not tying weight loss to that. I'm not tying PRs to that. And I, I just get a little bit like cringy because sometimes I hear people that are like, well, if you're lifting weights, like you need to continuously, imp- continuously ramp up the load or the intensity, or you're going to plateau. And I'm like, that's totally fine. I mean, if, if you are going to maintain a base of strength or, you need to back off and you're just like, but it still feels good to move my body and I get a good mental benefit from it. But I want to make a point about that in a second. That stuff is fine. It's okay. You're not failing at doing it. And I think again, where we get into trouble is we're just like constantly pushing ahead without ever taking our head up above the the weeds and looking around and going, is this working in my life? And would I do it even if I never got like that big sexy payoff? ever again. I think that's really important. And then on the point about the mental benefit, because we know that movement has so much benefit for our our mental state, for our anxiety, you know, anxiety, stress, all these other things. But I just want to caution people if the gym is your only outlet mm-hmm. for that, please find something else you can also get into or is in your back pocket or you do alongside of that. Because if you are ever going, if you ever sustain an injury or you're taken out of the gym for some reason, or you can't do your normal thing, it is so fast to go into that tailspin because like you don't have anything else. And especially if the gym is like, you know, if moving your body is a way that you deal with emotions and move emotions out of your body or you deal with anxiety or that's wonderful and great, but please have a backup of some sort or explore something else. Mm-hmm. Um, because if it changes, then it, it's a real crisis for a lot of people. Cause they're like, I can't do the things I normally would do. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's hard. Cause I want people to feel like they're moving because they enjoy it, not because, and it's not, again, it's not wrong to want to have a specific outcome, but when it's the only thing, that's where people get a little bit hung up. It's, it's awesome to hear you say all this and it's really funny, I think, and well-timed because by the time this airs, there will have been a couple episodes that I just, I've already recorded that literally touch on <laughs> everything that you just said. And you know, that question of like, listen, if you never lost a pound, if you never got any stronger, right. Would we still be, would you still be doing it? Like that's going to be an insight into a lot of what's going on and simultaneously getting up out of the weeds to look around, you know, the analogy I use is like that, that imagery from the Titanic where there's people down in the engine room shoveling coal. It's not just about working hard and sweating and getting the work done. Like if there's nobody up there steering the ship, like you what are we doing? Like we have to have a long-term view, not just perpetually showing up and feeling like, and we have to work harder and harder and harder harder all the time. It just like, I think that's the loop that gets people into frustration. So it's really funny timing um, and awesome to hear you say all that. So really related to kind of what we've, 
Yeah, I think related to what we, I mean, it's all related, right? Um, you know, something that I asked you about. So for those of you guys actually who don't know, I, um, I interviewed Steph a few, a couple years ago, actually, um, on the blog. So I have an interview with Steph. It's in written form, not audio form, but um, it's awesome. I highly recommend going to uh, the blog. I'll link it in the show notes for you guys to uh, read through. But one of the questions that I asked you in this um interview way back when that I'd love to hear you just like touch on again, because I think this is an important topic as well, is your very, um, uh, bleh, like adamant kind of disapproval of this trope that is, um, still kind of being shared. I think it's a little bit less, you know, two years later, but I still see it a lot. And it's this concept of like strong is the new skinny or strong is the new sexy. Mm. And I would love to just have you take it away on that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Um, oof. you know, <laughs> I, I think that when we, so I'm like trying to gather my thoughts here. Um, focusing on strength and wanting to get stronger, uh, again, can occur independently of getting the specific look. And I think when we're like, well, strong is the new skinny, then we, it's complicated. We, in some ways, are kind of dissing people who just naturally have smaller bodies. Uh, that's not cool. Um, some people just are naturally smaller, thinner, leaner, et cetera. And so we don't, we don't want to be shaming anyone. It's sort of like you're out of style now, right? Like, yeah. yeah. Well, and then you kind of think about the evolution of this, like there's always been kind of a body type that was yeah. like, is like in vogue. Right. So we've had Matt, uh, Marilyn Monroe, we've had Twiggy, we've had Kate Moss, we've had Kim Kardashian, like there's always a body flavor du jour. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, you know, so we just want to be a little bit mindful that like, there just are some people who are naturally thinner and, and, uh, just like it's, we know it's not cool to diss people in larger bodies or plus size bodies. We don't want to do that for people who are in smaller bodies either. Also, um, your body can be very strong and not have a specific look. And I think this is, this is important. So fitness, like Dan John, uh, who I think is a really amazing strength coach, he essentially says that fitness is like your ability to do a task. And so sometimes, a lot of times, what we find in the world of the internet is this belief that our fitness, our ability to do a specific thing is tied to a specific aesthetic. Now you could say, okay, well, if somebody is in the bodybuilding world or they're in the figure world, like they're, you know, they've built that aesthetic through a specific set of fitness, you know, milestones or a specific set of you know, fitness prescriptions or whatever we're talking about. But on the whole, if we're only ever saying, well, if you, if you're only in, you know, a specific kind of body, then your strength or your fitness will be dictated by that. That's really problematic for a lot of reasons. And, you know, you can even think about, athletes, if we're talking about elite athletes, I mean, we have elite athletes who are incredibly fit and great in their own sport. And they, they have a specific type of body because that's just kind of, you know, most volleyball players or basketball players are going to be very, very tall at the elite level. There are some outliers. We know that, but, um, there are, 
you know, Olympic weightlifters, for example, we, there are people in like tiny bodies who are very, very, very strong. There are people in bigger bodies who are very, very, very strong. So we can it, tying strength to a particular aesthetic is problematic and tying fitness to a specific aesthetic is very problematic for those reasons. It leaves a lot of people out of the conversation and it makes a lot of assumptions. And I think, you know, if we really value being strong, can we value that even if we don't have a specific a specific aesthetic outcome? So I know uh, in the CrossFit world, a lot of people are like, well, I want to get strong, but I, you know, I also want to look like a CrossFit Games athlete. And it's like, I mean, I don't know, like, is, is, is that going to be possible for you? Maybe, maybe not. And again, that goes back to the earlier point. Would you keep doing it even if you didn't have that specific outcome? So I think, um, you know, I'm just of the opinion that strong means you're strong and we can leave the, like the sexy or, cause when we talk about like sexy or skinny or all these things, we're still making it about the look. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't know, again, I'm here to say that if you are focusing on an aesthetic sport, you are wrong in any way, shape or form. And I think there are ways to do it that are healthier than others, but I just don't help people do that stuff. Like that's, that's not my wheelhouse. So I don't, um, I don't often talk about that. So I think we have to be a little bit careful about the language that we use because a lot of those messages, you know, the one that I really freaking wish would die is, um, sweat is fat crying, Oh no! Yeah, Mm -hmm. you know, all this like Fitzbo Mimi shit. And a lot of it is very, um, is very fat phobic. It's very, uh, just, it's just so wrong. It's, it's not, it's not cool. Right. It, 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 like, no, you know, no pain, no gain, Mm -hmm. you know, you're lazy. Like I, I see these Fitbo memes and I'm like, why are we still talking about this stuff? Like, can we just, can we just talk about being, you know, can, if strength is important to you, can we just talk about being strong? Like, why does it have to be this other thing? I love that. I feel like we could, and we have, uh, you know, <laughs> sit here and to chat about this stuff forever. And, um, I, um, I, I have, I have a a last question for you, but before we get there, I'd love to take a minute again for the three people listening who are not (laughs) following you. Um, Where can they uh, find you? I'm at stephgodrow.com. And that's my, you know, home base. You can find all my social media from there. I I have a, I'm like, what do I do? I have a podcast, <laughs> Go Harder to Kill Radio. Uh, CorefortheBook.com is where you can find the book specifically. And I hang out a lot kind of on Instagram, on the grams. Yeah. And, you know, before, actually, I lied. I have two questions for you before this last one. Um, this book that dropped today, July 30th, mm-hmm. um, who would you say this is really for mm-hmm. who would really benefit from this book? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think first of all, I write this, I wrote this book for women um, because I am a woman and I don't know what it's like to be a man in the world. So um, it, it's written from that perspective. It's written to touch on some of the things that we experience as women um, in particular, like this pressure to have a certain body and a certain way, a certain way of looking. I'm really looking to help women who are sort of like been there, done that through all the dieting, through like 
the, the exercise as punishment or a way to earn my food. Like I'm just so done, but I also am sort of looking for guidance along, along the way. Like I'm looking for a framework that I can approach some of this stuff from. And I'm just looking to find a little bit more ease in my life. And like you said, enjoy it. Like if I don't, and I think the great lie, the greatest lie, one of the greatest lies we've been sold is that to improve, you know, your health or feel better in your body, it has to be, you, you can never enjoy anything about the experience. And if you're enjoying it, it means you're doing it wrong or, enough or something. it's not enough. Exactly. Like again, this sort of idea that we need to just punish ourselves. Um, and there's so much research that shows that when we enjoy what we do, what, even if these things are, you know, improving our nutrition or exercising, like if we enjoy what we do, we, we have more efficacy because we actually follow through with it. Um, and, and as opposed to, you know, forcing ourselves to eat quote healthy things that we hate the taste of or doing exercises that we um, find absolutely no enjoyment in. So I think, you know, women, it's primarily for, for middle-aged women uh, who are done, we're done with like diets and restriction and are looking for a way to understand nutrition and movement from a place that does not have a bunch of shamey stuff in it. And, you know, I, I had to go through. And so again, this, <laughs> this book, I, there are pieces of this book that I wrote four and a half years ago, hmm. right? The actual program that's in the second half, for example, some of that stuff I wrote four and a half years ago, some of it I wrote two years ago. And I went back later on and I was like, you know what? I'm actually taking that stuff out because I don't like the references that I made there. And it, to me, was just proof of changing my own perspective over time, broadening that, softening a lot of the views that I had and where did those views come from. So it's really, um, it's really my sort of call to, to women to like, let's come together and um, we can do it together if you're ready to sort of let go of this idea of I, I need to be a specific weight to be happy um, or I need to be you know, I'm, I've been constantly on the scale and I know this is not working for me. It's not serving for me. I want to build health in my life instead of be on this hamster wheel of hell of weight loss. Mm -hmm. And I'm ready to, to find a new way and, and to play around with some skills and, and techniques and habits and gather them in this toolbox. And if they work for me, that's great. And if they don't, I'm going to tuck them away for later and, or, you know, put some off to the side, but um, I'm ready to start seeing how strong and powerful I really am. Sounds like you just spoke to a massive part of, <laughs> uh, you know, my audience and people who are listening to this show. So I think it's safe to say that um, you guys are going to really fucking love this book. And Steph, the, the last question I've got for you here. Again, it's a little bit of a repeat from what we talked about before, but I'm interested to see if and how it's changed. Um, your podcast is called Harder to Kill Radio. And mm -hmm. first, I'd love to know what being harder to kill means to you. <laughs> and then secondly, I'd like to know how, what in your um, opinion, like resonates with you right now as like how you can do that like, mm. personally or some advice you'd like to offer or just kind of like, tell me a little bit about that premise and what it means and how we do it. 
Yeah. So <laughs> I'm like, cause Taylor lives is like Taylor Google and she's been listening to my conversation. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, the, the sort of like unofficial tagline is fitness, nutrition and mindset for building unbreakable humans. But I will tell you, and this is probably the first time I've said this publicly is that I'm really, uh, weighing the, the feeling that I want to rebrand the name of the podcast. Um, and it sort of feels like a bit of a holdover for me from just my old brand and, and things that, I mean, ugh, it's tough. Like I like the, I do like the sentiment of it, but I feel like I've kind of outgrown mm. um, that a little bit. And I, w- what I really want to, and this is probably me embracing these other sides of myself is like. I'm like, all right, I'm an empath. Like I've tried to fight it for so long. Like I'm an empath. I'm very interested in stuff that's probably considered to be woo. Like I'm, I'm very interested in, in how can I blend things like intuitive eating and nutritional therapy together. And I've, I'm trying to be okay with the fact that I really think one of my primary roles here on this earth is to be a healer of sorts. And so for those reasons, I feel like the podcast um, and, and just kind of like the name and the sentiment of that are a little bit like, and I, I am a huge believer in strength and I love like strength and love feeling strong, but I also know that strength is multifaceted and strength doesn't always mean hardness and it doesn't always mean pushing through, right? We, the, sometimes the strongest you can be is letting go. Mm-hmm or the strongest you can be is letting yourself be soft in a particular moment. And so I, I feel very, uh, I actually brainstormed on the plane last week, like, uh, every podcast name is taken by the way in the universe, um, that I was trying to brainstorm names to just see like, what feels like it resonates with me. And I don't, I don't know right now. So I'm in this weird spot, um, with the podcast and with my brand in general, where I'm like, I, 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 I feel like I've still got growth to go. And I don't know if this is like the fun, nothing's ever going to be final. We're always growing, but is this really where I want to be? And so I think the podcast is going to probably morph over time and be a little bit more, um, a a little bit broader in some ways and, and just also touch on some of these other topics a little bit more. Um, because we are all, one thing that I know is I am so, we are all holistic we are all multifaceted and multidimensional people. And I know that this is a hundred percent of against like every business advice that's out there, which is like niche down. And like, you're only talking to one person. You're only talking about one thing. You need to be an expert in one thing. And I'm like, I just, I just can't do that. So yeah, I am trying to talk to women who are kind of in middle age. Um, and I guess that's my, that's my focus. But what we're talking about, I just look around and I'm like, I, we like collectively need healing. We, we need healing from all these things, from traumas, from diet culture, from not feeling like we're enough, from feeling like we uh, will never measure up. And, and I think that's kind of where I'm going with stuff. So I don't know if that's exactly the, the message that fits together with, um, you know, with harder to kill radio or, or even the harder to kill club on Facebook and stuff like that. People recently were like, can you make shirts? And I was like, no, <laughs> we used to have shirts that said harder to kill on them. And I'm like, I know like we're not going to make shirts because with that, we're not going to do that. Like we're just going to change the name. So 
it's less, sounds like it's less about being harder to kill and more about living softer. It's like maybe more gentler. Gosh, I don't even know. I think it's just um, understanding that we we can have softness and and hardness. We can have strength. We can and I, fierce love is kind of the way I describe it for myself, right? Like I'm very like ferocious and zealous and passionate in some areas, but I'm also just like I want to love you, and I think we need more care of each other, and we need to take each other along on that journey. And it's, um, yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> You just got like my own processing right here. Listen, I love that because, you know, I think that you made some awesome points in there and I think it really like is an awesome sort of cap on everything that we've been talking about today. Right. It's like, it doesn't always boil down to pushing through and working harder. And like, there's a lot of nuance to this and we don't always have all the answers to that and that's okay. And I think that that's like a perfect, I think that's actually a great answer and I can't wait to see how it evolves and kind of where you land with that and how it will continue to grow. Cause, um, I know that the message that you're spreading through the show, through your uh, site, through your gram, and now through this amazing book is one that we definitely cannot hear enough. And so I really appreciate you Steph coming on today, sharing all of your insight and your knowledge. Um, and I'm just really pumped about this book. The drop today, kids, July 30th. Go get your hands on it. And yeah, I just really appreciate you being here and sharing everything with um, me and my audience today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, friends, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you know the drill. If you can take two seconds to leave a review on iTunes or just screenshot this, tag us on the gram so we know you're loving it. That stuff just, you know, I feel like it just, it takes 10 seconds from you and it goes such a long way for um, all the people who you follow, who you love. So I just, I really appreciate it. I love seeing you guys tag me in this stuff. So tag us, let me know, leave a review. Anything that you feel like you want to share would be greatly appreciated. And just a reminder that in the show notes is a link to her book that you obviously need to go get like right now. And also a link to the interview that I did with her a, I don't know, like a couple years ago now, maybe, um, that actually is really, really, really fabulous. So you should go read that as well. So lots of resources there for you. So go check that out. Go grab the book. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of She Thrives Radio. And if you like what you heard today, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And then head on over to SheThrivesBlog.com where you can sign up for my weekly emails where I send out my favorite tips, tricks, advice, and support every single Monday morning to help you kick your week off right. Thank you for listening. Until next time.